Welcome to the second episode of the second season of Brad is a Bad Person. Now, the theme for this season is philosophy, and we've decided that Brad will come into every episode without any idea of what's going on, and that way we'll just get his organic reaction to our topics. So, I'm joined, my name is Morgan, and I'm joined by Brad and Lachlan. How are we, guys? Hello, I am well. well I'm very well, uh, just ready to be squeezed of all my raw knowledge. And <laughs> you always have something extra to say when we ask, uh, how are you? You're always like, I'm, I'm good. And, and then you say, so. yeah, I got really spot my, I'm the talent. All right. If I don't bring it, no one does. Sure. Okay. So in the first episode, we talked about the trolley problem, which is an ethical dilemma. And following on from that, we're going to do an entire episode on other ethical dilemmas. So, we didn't define a dilemma last time, so I'll do it now. A a dilemma is when you have a choice between two or more options and none of those options are desirable. We've got three dilemmas to discuss today. Uh, So, let's get started with the first one. So, the first dilemma is uh, called the ticking time bomb, and it's a thought experiment about the morality of torture. So... Uh, Let's suppose that a person with knowledge of an imminent terrorist attack that will kill many people is caught, and that person will disclose the information needed to prevent the attack only if he is tortured. Should he be tortured? Bradley, your thoughts? Hmm. That's a tricky one. So, we know that what he's... Like, he will tell the truth is... In this scenario, yes. I guess. Yes, okay. Uh, Tortured. Pretty pretty simple. Good good, uh, good discussion. (laughs) It gets back to... The uh, the first one, which is uh, the first episode when we were talking about with the trolley issue, it's, uh, you know, for the greater good, I guess, you know, the many over one uh, sort of scenario. Um, yeah. So, we're, we're assuming that we have perfect knowledge of this situation, that that he does know and he will disclose it if you uh, torture him enough. What do you think, Lachlan? I don't like the ticking time bomb scenario because it, like you said, it assumes perfect knowledge. Um if you know that he knows the truth and will tell you the truth if tortured and that will save lives, there's no uh, rational argument against it. All the arguments against this dilemma are supposing that you don't know that he'll tell you or you can't know that he'll tell you the truth and all that sort of yep. thing. 
Um, they're not they're not arguing against the scenario itself. They're just arguing against the idea of torture as a whole. Well, let me put this to you, Lachlan. Last episode, your justification for the tr- <laughs> your justification for the um, trolley problem was utilitarianism. But there's another branch of uh, that called rule utilitarianism, which is the idea that uh, if you follow certain rules that will lead to the greatest utility in general, then uh, you know you shouldn't break that rule. Um, <laughs> even if it will result in a greater utility in one particular instance, um, yeah, you still shouldn't break the rule because it's a it's a good rule to follow overall. So if you could say torture, don't torture people is a good rule. In this particular ticking time bomb scenario, that will lead to people dying, but overall it will lead to more utility. That is a good point. That is a good point. I uh, hadn't considered that. I like to, now that I know what a rule utilitarian is, I like to consider myself a rule utilitarian. <laughs> that being said, I still don't think the ticking time bomb scenario is a good uh, thought experiment. Yeah, I, I don't I don't like it particularly too much as well because, uh, like you said, you have to assume. You guys big these, right? <laughs> yeah, this is a well-known one. We're talking about it because it's well-known, not because it's... Uh, you know, we're picking it apart. We're picking it apart here, Brad. This is what we do. Uh, but, um, uh, uh. yeah, would, uh, f- for you guys, if, um, uh, <laughs> I was thinking, what if it was dogs? <laughs> Say they're like a couple of dogs. <laughs> Where, like, this guy had, like, put some poison in a bag oh, of food no. that, uh, I don't know, whatever. And all these dogs are going to get poisoned and die if the, uh, if we didn't find out what bag it was in. Would you touch it then? Oh, I would torture the shit out of that <laughs> Even <dish>. worse. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Once he actually told you, you would continue the torture after. Is that what That's right. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know. I'm not particularly moved either way with the dogs. I mean. Uh, Brad's a cat person. I, that's not that I hate dogs. I, Changing the title of the podcast is now Brad is a cat person. <laughs> that's implied. I think cats it? are... I think cats are hilarious, and so are dogs. I mean, if you were to make me choose between the two, I'd probably say cats. Um, uh, but that doesn't mean that I don't like dogs. Such a shit person, Brad. <laughs> I'm on the fence because I really like that show, Cat Dog. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. If, you, if you're going back to... Okay, so back to the original ticking time yeah. bomb scenario. If they were to say, like, put percentage on, say, like, 50% chance... That he'll know something. Fifty percent chance he absolutely doesn't know anything. Are you sure you should be talking in percentages, Brad? I think that what I just said was not inaccurate. <laughs> I think <laughs> now I'm starting to question. It was I was right. Was I kind of zoned out a bit? You know, you guys, uh, you guys have destroyed my confidence with numbers. Uh, I think that's a good thing. I go to bed every night. And I- it was a false sense of confidence beforehand. <laughs> I go to bed and I just see numbers floating around me, but not in the good Rain Man way. But like, <laughs> like just they're, they're haunting me, well, haunting me. Um, even yeah. Well, do you want to finish this thought, Brad? Whatever you were trying to get at. Well, basically, yeah, I was going to say that there would be a percentage, I guess, you know, like yes. an odds of him knowing something where I would start to feel conflicted, really seriously conflicted about torturing him or not. Like, say, ninety ten in favor mm-hmm. of not knowing something. It starts to get into a bit of a grey area. I would still probably run the risk because, again, the ch- the chances of a lot of lives being saved over 
one guy having a really, really shitty day. <laughs> uh, That's a good way to phrase it. <laughs> Waterboarding's nothing. Come well, on. Well, it's all. <laughs> I think it's it's yeah. This is such a it's a, it's such a situational thing because I think yeah. torture is one of the worst things you can do to a person. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, so you wouldn't want to make that decision lightly. But um, no, yeah, I guess it's situational. Like if you weren't sure they were going to tell you or not, but you know they're known to be a member of ISIS, and it's just a matter of whether or not um, they have information on this particular thing, not whether or not they're a good person. Mm-hmm. You'd probably be like, oh, because so. As a as a newly uh, found <laughs> ruled utilitarian, I think we should have a rule that we just torture all terrorists, where regardless of whether we think they know anything. <laughs> just to be sure, just try. I think that's what Guantanamo Bay just, is, isn't just, it? It's just, just like a that's just a place where we send <laughs> known terrorists and uh, torture them. Like they, well, I guess they uh, use enhanced interrogation techniques. <laughs> <laughs> they enhance them with water and yeah. bullets. They hook a car battery up to their nipples. <laughs> Can you imagine the guy who floated that? It was like, look, guy, like the CIA. He's like, look, guys, we can interview people or we can interrogate people, but we can't torture them. And it's like, well, what if we, <laughs> what if we found out a way to like enhance that interrogation? It's some techniques that would enhance it. <laughs> it's classic corporate speak. <laughs> yeah, corporate double speak. I like the way you think, Johnson. Promoted. <laughs> You can be uh, I mean, enhance interrogation technique. <laughs> if we're talking about just torturing all terrorists flat out, isn't that like a quality of outcome? Isn't isn't that what we're striving for these days? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, the equality of outcome, not equality of opportunity. <laughs> all terrorists will be tortured equally, just in case. Yeah, just in case. Exactly. That way, no one's being discriminated against. <laughs> Chechnin, not a problem. <laughs> Okay, so I think we'd all agree that uh, torturing people is a horrible, horrible thing to do. And, well, for the person being tortured. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, yeah, it definitely shouldn't be taken lightly and it's hard to... uh, It's extremely situational. But uh, one thing I came across when I was researching for this um, particular topic is I read a bunch of articles that were had head lo- headings along the lines of uh, torture doesn't work. Incorrect. And I just thought <laughs> I just thought that was the most ridiculous asinine thing I've ever heard in my life. I was like, do we really have to do you have to pretend that torture doesn't work? We know it works. It's not it absolutely Well, works. it's like saying torture doesn't work is like saying coercion doesn't work. Like <laughs> torture is extreme coercion and we know that coercion works. Mm. You know, Threatening people works, incentive works, incentives work, bribes work. Like, they, it doesn't mean they're good things, but they work, obviously. Do you think if they tortured the person who wrote that article, they would admit <laughs> that uh, torture works? They definitely would. And the whole point is, I, I actually read these articles, which I probably shouldn't have given the stupid nature of the title. But it was all, say, it was all saying, uh, you know, sometimes the information isn't that reliable and people will say anything to stop being tortured. It's like, yeah, like <laughs> if if somebody, yeah. if you have a safe in front of you and you need to know the code for the safe, like torture is definitely going to work. 
if you if something yeah, that's like right. it's it's it just because it doesn't work all the time doesn't mean you can write an article with a headline that says it doesn't work that's like me writing an article that says <laughs> cars don't work it's like you know you can't drive them through the water so there are certain times where they don't work so therefore <laughs> cars don't work it's just stupid <laughs> yeah I, I think um like practically speaking you don't know whether torture has worked like and until a later date like for example like in the most practical applications of it like you know foiling terrorist plots and stuff like that Sometimes those operations are over, you know, weeks, months, years or whatever. You won't see the practical outcome of it until down the road. So I can see where they're arguing for torture doesn't work maybe because it's not like an immediate, you don't get an immediate yes, like this is how, this is what's happening. Like the the safe scenario, like you just put it, you're not sitting in front of a safe needed code. Da, da, da. You know, if you're, you're trying to foil a terrorist plot that's coming out of, you know, downtown Karachi or something like that. You, you, the the information you might lead to another person, it leads to another person that ends up yeah. stopping it. Um, but it definitely works. Like people will say whatever to stop bamboo shoots being forced oh, under their nails. Oh. Like that's and, yeah, yeah, that's the one that scares yeah. me the most. By the way, that's I saw a movie weird. where a character had his like fingernails ripped out with pliers. That was pretty bad. Oh. I would say anything, and I mean, like <laughs> if I had any knowledge about anything. As soon as they came towards me with those bamboo shoots or pliers, I'd be like, nope, this is not worth it. There's there's nothing in this world that I need to protect that much. <laughs> it's like the people that write these articles just – I think you have to be educated to be that stupid. Like, you have to – like, you know what I mean? You, to be able to craft an argument like that, you have to be smart. But you have to be – did they not grow up with siblings? Do they not know what it's like when a sibling like holds you down and forces you to say something or whatever? Like, it, it, of course it works. It's not a good thing and we shouldn't encourage it, but of course it works. And mm-hmm. the other thing I wanted to quickly mention on this is that, as you guys know, I am um, a libertarian, so I'm not sure how I feel about this because on one hand I would say, you know, if it's possible that torture stopped another 9-11 from happening, we don't know that. And part of me wants to say, oh, we should just trust the CIA and the military to, you know, to <laughs> to decide when it's appropriate because, you know, we can't know when it's appropriate. So, we have to mm-hmm. trust them. But I don't like trusting the government with anything. So, I'm in a, I'm in a real pickle here. We should privatize torture. <laughs> Could you imagine the government body that have to oversee Inhale torture skin regulations? Skin. No, that's the idea. There would be, there'd be no regulations. In a perfect, well, surely if you privatise it, it's still regulated no, by the government. in a government. perfect capitalist world, there is no government regulation. It's just, you know, torture to the highest bidder. <laughs> torture in to the highest uh, Everything runs so peacefully that there's no need for torture. Yeah. That's true. That's All right, true. should we move on to our next um, dilemma? Pro- probably, yes. <laughs> Before we say something, get this on a torture right, Brad, get your dick out for this one because this is pretty exciting. It is survival cannibalism. <laughs> oh, uh, excellent! And this is this shit. is pretty straightforward. But I've I've picked um two and maybe three if we have time we'll get to it. But two cases of uh, survival cannibalism. So we'll discuss them. So I've got a little intro here. If you'll bear with me, uh, in 1884. Four men, Brooks, Dudley, Parker, and Stephen, sailed from Southampton in England, bound for Sydney. 
The ship, the Minionette, was smashed by a big wave in the South Atlantic Sea, and they were forced to abandon ship into a lifeboat. They were pretty much halfway between Africa and South America, and the nearest island was over a 1,000 kilometers away. So, in the first few days, they managed to catch a turtle, which they ate, but they were unable to gather any rainwater. So, they uh, they did the Bear girls trick and started drinking their own piss. <laughs> uh, after 15 days, Parker got sick from drinking seawater, and a few days later, he fell into a coma. The three conscious passengers decided, well, they discussed whether to kill and eat Parker. Dudley and Stevens wanted to do it, but Brooks disagreed. However, Brooks didn't stop his shipmates when they decided to go through with it and stabbed Parker in the neck with a pen knife. <laughs> what a way to go. Oh, yeah. All three of them, including Brooks, drank the blood of their dead companion and ate his flesh. Uh. They were found by a German, German sailing ship about four or five days later. Now, back in merry old England, the three survivors were detained and it was eventually decided that Dudley and Stevens would be charged with murder. But Brooks would not be charged. This is presumably because Brooks didn't agree to or participate in the actual murder, and also because his testimony could then be used as part of the prosecution. So much like America with the Fifth Amendment, the English had the right to silence, so they could have just refused to say anything in court and incriminate themselves. So they needed somebody to tell the story in court. Uh, Dudley and Stevens were found guilty of murder most foul, and they were sentenced to death by the Home Secretary. <laughs> Sorry, they were sentenced to death, and the Home Secretary advised Queen Victoria to commute the sentence to six months in prison. So they ended up <laughs> sentenced to death, but they got off with six months in prison. I was going to so. say, how would you feel so, surviving that only to get fucking hung <laughs> for murder? That, that is a slap in your face. <laughs> hanged. Oh, sorry, hang for murder. Jesus Christ. Uh, Brad, would you eat your comatose friend? Would I eat my comatose friend? In that situation, yeah. hell yeah, I would. I mean, I wouldn't enjoy it, but I would do it. I mean, how do you know you wouldn't enjoy it? You don't know if you'd enjoy it. <laughs> I have a pretty good idea based on eating meat in general that killing someone, drink, well, for starters, I don't drink blood. Animal blood, full <laughs> stop. That's like, that would fuck me up. Uh, that would be disgusting. Like, it'd be warm and like, ah. Uh, yeah. Well, when yep. I was telling Lachlan about this, he was like, why did he drink their blood? But it was because they. <laughs> they didn't have any water at all, so they, yeah. they like they couldn't drink seawater. Like I, I, I've water. heard that that was my immediate a lot reaction. Of, Why did they have to? Drink <laughs> well, water? I mean, like a lot of desert nations drink like camel blood and horse blood, like they bloodlet. Is and and the Mongolian um, warriors like Genghis Khan and all that jazz, they would drink the blood of their horses on long treks because it you can sustain. Yeah, Genghis Khan probably drank the blood of his enemies yeah, as well. Thirsty like, man, what are you going to do? I don't think that's a good. That's a good comparison. I'm just saying that you can survive off blood for, uh, no, uh, not indefinitely, but for a con- considerable time. So I, I can understand why they did it. I just don't think it would be enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lachlan, uh, Lachlan, do you think they should have been charged with murder? Is six months too lenient, too harsh, or just about right? Um, I don't think they should have been charged with anything. Ooh. It's no, a, I'm in the same survival, boat. Survival situation. What else are they supposed to do? Just all die instead? That would be the honourable thing, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> surely, surely they yeah. should be questioned and, uh, you know, it should be discussed. But... Oh, yeah. The police should have been like, hey, what happened? This dude's dead and also all his flesh has been eaten. <laughs> uh, 
Yes, no, they would have just tossed him. No, the guy would just tossed him everywhere and said, "Like we don't know who he is. Like <laughs> there was no one else. It was just a guy. Hey, guys. <laughs> he had uh, he had sea madness. I'm not saying they shouldn't have asked any questions, but I I think in that situation where it's either well not not so much kill or be killed, but kill or die of starvation, uh, you got to do what you got to do. See, I I've been thinking about this a lot, and I I actually disagree because I think. Because he's in a coma, it seems like, oh, he's not going to recover, so it's okay to do it. But, you, like, they don't know. They they could be spotted by another ship, like, just a few minutes after killing him, and then, you know... Oh, oh, wouldn't that, <laughs> that would be yeah, so fucking obvi- awkward. Obviously, they wouldn't have done it if they knew they were about to be rescued. But you don't know if you're about to be rescued. So, like, them, like, them killing him means that they're, they're risking being found and having killed him for no reason. Like, if they were found, you know, a few hours later, then they would have been able to survive those few hours and maybe Parker would have made it out of the coma or something. So, I think, like, you have to wait till he actually does die if he dies. You can't kill him. I don't think that's fair. What if they died of starvation first? Well, that's sort of, like, how can, how do you, how do you know? Like, how do you know when you're at the point where you can't possibly live another 10 minutes? Well, you you probably... Probably, probably fall into a coma, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> I think... I would say when you're at the point that you're contemplating eating another human being, you're probably pretty close to the, yeah, the end enough. of your... Yeah, you're, you're at the end of your rope as far as... Like, I know you, you can survive without food for weeks, but water is like days, like three days. What if they, so the blood, what if they yeah, just, three days. like, nicked his ankle, <laughs> drank some of his blood like a vampire? <laughs> and then we find it up or something, so he'd, like, I don't know. <laughs> you really have to kill him? <laughs> use, him as a, use him as a makeshift <laughs> flask. <laughs> I, I imagine that uh, they they needed a, well, there's three people they've got to sustain. They needed a steady flow there. How many how many litres oh, of blood? Yeah, like four litres or something like that? But there's a lot. I think it's about seven litres. Oh, seven litres. I think. I don't think that they, once they cut him open to get the flow, that there was any real No, that's what I'm saying. You cut him on the foot and then you... You never heard of a a tourniquet? You cut him on the foot and then you elevate his foot after you're done drinking. Cut him on the foot? Like, where on the foot? It's not going to bleed enough. What do you mean it's not going to bleed enough? Look, Brad, I don't don't want to be be caught on a fishing ship with you because you're just kind of like, well, stab me in the fucking neck. (laughs) <laughs> I haven't had anything to drink in like 45 minutes. I am parched, guys. <laughs> Who wants to fucking die? It's like that Simpsons episode where um, <laughs> Abe Simpson tried to eat his uh, climbing companions. <laughs> I was thinking that exact thing. <laughs> He's got the bite mark out of him. <laughs> well, you guys, um, you, you know, you had the English public on your side because... Uh, public sentiment was definitely with um, the two guys who got charged. They were a lot of people wanted them to be uh, acquitted of all charges because obviously they're in a life or death situation. But the the people that charged them and some other people in uh, the public, obviously, they had a different opinion. And that opinion is basically, you know, if you're in a situation like that, you just have to accept your fate and die. Just take it like a man, because eating people is wrong, and you're an Englishman, you're supposed to be brave, you're supposed to be a man of God, and you should die with dignity. <laughs> die with dignity. Don't sink to that level of uh, depravity. 
Well, that's that's all good for them, but <laughs> I think that you should struggle to the end. So, is that means eating a few people? I mean, the other thing you have to remember: this was what eighteen eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the eighteen eighties. Yeah. So you know, eating other parts of human flesh probably wasn't that uncommon back then. Mm, there weren't that many communist countries yet, like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking in like the the poor sections of London, so all of London, um, you know. But it, it, to you, look, it's 1880. It's not like 1580 or something. Yeah. You're pretty well off by then. People, nah, people are dying in the gutters and stuff. You know how it is. <laughs> what are you been reading? <laughs> I have no idea what he's talking about either, and I'm usually right on board with this crackpot shit. Um. Well, you know, those, I, I think, you know, obviously those three guys are still alive today. They cut him in the neck and drank his blood so they turned into vampires. Um, that's right. That's how it happens. <laughs> that's that's where time vampires started, man. Ah, oh, God damn it. <laughs> it's come full circle, baby. Yeah, I Who is the third one who ate, like, drank the blood and ate the flesh but His didn't want to get in on yeah. the action? Brooks. Is that Brooks? What a fucking pussy. <laughs> Wait, you sit there. These guys saved your life. And then you get back to England. You fucking tattle on them. What yeah, a piece that's of kind shit. Of, that's kind of a dog move. No, he that didn't. Is, no, they all. That's fucking cowardice of the highest they, degree. You didn't even have the balls to go in on the murder. But you were happy to live off the profits of it. I, agree with, I agree with Brad here. He let these guys kill him. And then, you know ate the flesh, even though he didn't get his hands dirty, and oh, then he gets back and immediately runs to the police, and he's like, oh, these two guys killed my friend. <laughs> Obviously, you guys know the story better than I did. He's dogging the boys. What a little bitch. I just, I, I can't believe that. Like, they, they kept you alive. You should be like, nah, man, I didn't see nothing. You guys got a little wrong. Brooks is the hero of the story. He, uh, don't dog the boys. He... <laughs> Explain how he's the hero of this story, because I wait. Because for he was willing to accept his fate. Like if we get, if we get, um, if we get found, if he was willing found, to accept his fate, he wouldn't have eaten the dead no, body. There's no difference at that point. Like he's dead. He's not coming back to life. Might as well use it. <laughs> well, there is a point. You're trying, trying to take a moral high ground here. If he's so, if he's so resolute in his beliefs, he would have laid there and died over the next five days until they were rescued. That's right. Imagine if he was a vegetarian and it was a chicken instead of a man in a coma. Do you think he would have eaten the chicken meat? Good on you, Lachlan. That's perfectly analogous. Um, right, I've got another. I've got another story. This one's a little less um, gruesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it's actually much, much, much more gruesome. But, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a little bit, uh, you know, less morally ambiguous. So. Uh, you guys probably know, uh, in 1972, a Roman Catholic Uruguayan rugby team chartered a plane to Chile for a rugby match. There were 40 passengers and five crew on the plane. The plane went down in the Andes and 18 people died from the crash. Some of them died on impact and others died in the coming days from their injuries. So, 27 of the uh, people on the plane survived and they started eating the dead people Nine days after the crash, because they had absolutely no other food and no prospect of finding food. The next day, they heard on the radio that the search party had been called off. Um, 11 more people died after this. Eight died oh. in an avalanche and three died from illness. 
eventually two of the men were able to to find a Chilean man after a mammoth 10-day trek westward towards civilization. In all, the 16 who lived survived 72 days after the crash. 72 days. Holy, I didn't realize it was such an extended period. That's a lot of people to eat. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was thinking. (laughs) Is that... How do you guys feel about that? So, they didn't... They didn't kill anyone to eat them. They only ate the people who were already dead. That's correct, yeah. Ah, that's okay then. Yeah, yeah, no issue at all. No issue at all. I didn't have a problem with someone murdering someone with a pen knife to the (laughs) neck (laughs) to to live. (laughs) These guys are practically saints, Bergen. That being said, I think maybe nine days is a little bit early to start eating people. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, they had had literally no other food. They crashed in the Andes. And they were yeah, in, but- they were in like a valley. There's no, there were no animals around. There was absolutely nothing. like they heard on the radio the next day that the search party <laughs> been called off. At least wait until you've heard that the search party's been nah, called. They would have all, they would have all been so distressed if they heard that the search party had been called off. But when they heard it was called off, they were like, "Yeah, we're already eating the whole valley." <laughs> Do you think they started like stress eating after that, and then they were just burning <laughs> some bodies like nobody's business? <laughs> No, I have absolutely no issue with that. I mean, you've got to you got to make a call, and it's not a it's a suboptimum decision. But they definitely would not have survived seventy two days uh, without eating those people. I'll tell you that right. When now. I was um, when I was doing the research for this and taking notes and stuff, I sent my notes to Lachlan, and the file that I sent him was called "If You Call That Living," because I just think <laughs> sixty three days of eating absolutely nothing but people. Like, do you want to survive at that point? <laughs> well, I mean, they were pretty lucky they crashed in the Andes, so everything was frozen. Like they got <laughs> it's preserved. Yeah, well, it's preserved. True. Like seventy-two days. Oh, mate, like Brooke and that they wouldn't have survived. Oh, like, if they crashed, if they, because it would have rotted. If they crashed like, anywhere away. else, there would have been food for them to go and find. Though, so it's it's like yeah, it preserved <laughs> the true. dead bodies, but it's not like if they crash somewhere else, there'd be rabbits and stuff they could catch. There'd be, uh, you know, some. <laughs> vegetables they could pick or something, I don't know. Well, the snow provided them with water as well. I'd say they were pretty lucky, yes, to be the honest. the snow did provide them with water, so they had essentially an unlimited source of water. They didn't have to drink the blood. Yeah, exactly. They did, they did been... anyway, just for kicks, but... <laughs> no, I don't think they did. <laughs> I don't think they did. Anyway, well, the, the team was a Roman Catholic rugby team, which I didn't know that was a, mm. a thing, but um, apparently they're all, you know, very religious, obviously, and that was mm. part of their... Um, moral conundrum there, whether it's uh, God would be okay with them eating uh, dead people. So, a couple of things that was interesting about that was, um, you know, one of them quoted this Bible verse, John fifteen thirteen, which is, no man hath greater love than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. So, he was like, look, they died and um, to honor them, mm. we'll eat them because then they would have died for a purpose and that purpose is to keep us alive. That's true. They didn't die in vain. And what about Jesus? He was all like, here is my body. I was thinking body. that too. I was thinking Eat that it. too. Especially, you know, it's like uh, a... <laughs> Literally. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that's a, you know, metaphorical thing. So, eating... The power of Christ compels body. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think for devoutly religious people, it would have definitely been a serious moral conundrum because isn't part of the reason that people are buried is because you don't want to, rather than cremated, is that the body should be intact when it goes into the ground? Or uh, I could be wrong here. I'm not actually sure about that. Yeah, I thought that that was part of it. Uh, I, maybe that's maybe I've got that some other kind of religious <laughs> issue. So, so 
I don't know, but I thought that was part of it. One of the other um, things that was interesting is that uh, one of the survivors has since likened the their cannibalism to organ donation. So he was saying, like, organ donation is when you use the parts of a dead person to keep someone else alive, and that's what we were doing. We were eating the parts of dead people to keep us alive. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever helps you sleep <laughs> at night, Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> No, actually, uh, that's actually a really good point if you look at it that way. If I was on the plane and you guys survived and I didn't, I would not have an issue with you eating me. I would yeah, say it's tantamount to organ wow. donation or my Thanks, death bro. not being in I vain. So, there you go, guys. <laughs> also, if we're, if there was just us three alive and no food, <laughs> if, I would if, that, if so. that happened, I'd prefer you didn't eat me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I was thinking, obviously, this one seems the most, like, out of all the survival cannibalism stories that you can think of, this one seems totally fine. Because the people were dead already. They died from a plane crash. And uh, they were just eating them in order to survive. So, it seems totally morally acceptable. So, here's a little twist on it. Is it morally acceptable if it weren't out of necessity? Like, if they, if they heard on the radio, like, yeah, we're coming to get you tomorrow. It's all good. And they were like... Well, why are those dead people there? I've always wanted to know what it tastes like. Would that be okay? <laughs> Would no. it be okay? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, definitely not. not. Why not? The, the point is that it's done out of necessity, not... Yeah, that's right. Not out of curiosity. <laughs> not out of curiosity. <laughs> but are you worried they're going to get a taste for it and then try to eat people back in uh, Uruguay? Or- <laughs> No, it's just, it's not on. You shouldn't do it. Yeah, the the, the point is you're putting, it's a dilemma. <laughs> not that you you have a you have a choice here. You go, well. It uh, is a dilemma. Yes, you're right, Brad. Well done. <laughs> See? Thanks. No. The point is, well, because it, would, it wouldn't become a, a, a serious dilemma if you knew that someone was coming well, to rescue yeah, there's, you. There's no, there's no dilemma in that situation because, like, the, the dilemma is that there are two bad outcomes. One of the outcomes is eat people, that's bad. One of the outcomes is don't eat people, which is good. So, it's not a dilemma. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There is no dilemma. We, it's not an argument. I'm just... So, then the the point of eating people, there's a there's an optimal solution and a suboptimal solution. You could choose to do the other one. I don't think it would... <laughs> I don't think it would end well for you as well because people would, as soon as they found out, they'd be like, just crucify this guy. <laughs> just, just annihilate him for eating people for no reason. Like, oh, he's a, he's a little bit hungry, a bit peckish, and he decided he'd eat the face of his best mate. Like, <laughs> so, Brad Lugger, don't worry. I agree with you. I definitely agree with you. Yes. But, you know, someone has a different opinion, and that is uh, Frank from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> in one episode, he's talking to a mortician, and he asks the mortician if he bangs the dead bodies. And he's, the guy says no. So then Frank says this, and this is a quote. I mean, I don't give a shit. If I was dead, you can bang me all you want. Who cares? A dead body is like a piece of trash. What's the big deal? Bang me, <laughs> eat me, grind me up into little pieces, throw me in the river. Who gives a shit? What do you guys think? <laughs> well, um, I would say that the family might give yeah. a shit. But, I mean, that's it's not wrong. <laughs> Like, it's not going to affect the dead person. Like, they're not going to be upset because they're dead. But, you know, if your your family goes to have an open casket funeral and half your face is missing, that would be probably upset. <laughs> Bite marks all over you. I'm assuming that everyone's going to go straight to the face because it's the tenderest, <laughs> oh like, softest. Do some research, bro. I could be wrong. 
Yeah, I could be wrong. I mean, this is just based on my own. Well, yeah, it's, I guess it's kind of hard to say because, um, yeah, when you're dead, you're dead, obviously. So you don't, you're not going to feel any of this mm. uh, stuff. That's it's going not. On. It's not about. It's not about disrespecting the the deceased. It's just about the fact that, like, you don't stoop to cannibalism unless you absolutely have to. Yeah, mm. I'd agree. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty fair. You know how old people have the some old people, not all of them, have the um, not many actually have those tattoos that say "Do not resuscitate." What if somebody, you know, what if we started a trend where you got tattooed on your body, like uh, "Bang my dead body if you want," you know? <laughs> so it's like you're giving consent to the to the pricks as a future. Like I don't care, I'm dead. You can bang me. Uh, I'm gonna get that tattooed on me. So it's like a. <laughs> So it's like a like a charity service. So to curb them digging up people who don't want to be banged <laughs> after they've died, you volunteer yourself up. Is that, I, I is that where you're, just, that's yeah. where you're going? I don't know. Like like you like you were saying that. Well, like you were saying like you, it, I guess. if you die, you're happy with people eating you. Are you happy with people banging you? Yeah, in a in a survival situation. <laughs> If if someone okay. needs to bust a nut so bad, like if they're going to die, I mean, I guess I've got one more uh, survival cannibalism tale, uh, and I'll just I'll just go through it quickly. And oh, uh, yeah, in two thousand eight, there were thirty three Dominicans trying to reach Puerto Rico in a wooden vessel, uh, and when the engines malfunctioned, mm-hmm. the boat started floating out further from land. Oh, the what? Sorry, how shit. Does how shit does Dominica need to be if you're trying to escape to Puerto Rico? <laughs> I was yeah. Fuck! I didn't even I was gonna make that joke, but I decided to against oh, it. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, I I actually looked this up because I thought Puerto Rico is not much of a step up from the Dominican Republic, but the Puerto Rico is a administrative district of. Um, America. So I don't know if there's like free travel America, between, yeah. well, you know, like passport free travel between Puerto Rico and. Oh, yeah, so maybe if you get way. to Puerto Rico, you can use that to get to America. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Does the Dominican Republic, I, I could be wrong here, do they share like land borders with Haiti? Yeah, the the island, I can't remember what the island's called, but Haiti's, Haiti's on one half and oh, the no Dominican more. Republic's on the other half. Yeah, no, I know why you'd want to go to Puerto Rico then. Um. <laughs> Get away from your neighbours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, anyway, um, so after two weeks, there were uh, only five people alive, and they started eating the dead. Out of how many? There were 33 at the start. After two weeks, there were only okay, five people okay. left, and those five people started eating the uh, the dead people. So, a similar thing to this happened in 2004 as well, but I chose this one for two reasons. So, one, I thought it was uh, <laughs> kind of darkly amusing that they were found the day after they started eating people because they survived oh, that no. long without yep. eating people and then they're found the very next day. They, they probably would have held off if they knew. And um, the yep. second reason was because it made me look at cannibalism in a new way because one of them was describing how they did it and they were cutting off tiny, tiny pieces of a person and then putting it in their mouth and swallowing it like a pill so they never actually chewed on any human flesh. So I was like, I could probably do that. I don't know if I could chomp into a, a big hunk of leg or something, but could probably just <laughs> pop a couple of tiny pieces and all that. <laughs> I think that's disrespectful. In what way? Like, if, if you're going to eat someone, you should at least enjoy them. <laughs> <laughs> that's no enjoyment. <laughs> what are you talking about? 
<laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, it would be disrespectful. Like, if you ate me and you didn't enjoy me, I would be upset. That would be that would be very disappointing and disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think anyone enjoys the eating people, Brad. So that's a stupid thing. Wow, so. like I said, that's disrespectful. That is very disrespectful. Yeah, I, if I ever have <laughs> to eat you, I have to go. Mm-mm, this is good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it doesn't make it better if you act like it tastes bad. Like that's not fair. That person died. You're looking so you down from them. heaven and you're like, "Ah, oh, it tastes good." What is he talking about? <laughs> yeah, what is this shit? Like, grill me up, or you know, maybe pulled bread <laughs> with a nice smoky barbecue or something. Like, at least enjoy me if you're gonna eat me. Like, I, my death is is nourishing you. Don't act like I'm some bitter pill to swallow. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Just die then. <laughs> Someone else eat you and enjoy you. <laughs> Fucking hell. So, I think uh, we can move on to the next dilemma, but I thought, you know what this podcast is missing? Segments. So, uh, <laughs> I think it would be a good idea to do uh, a movie review segment every episode. So, uh, they'll be related to the, the topic, Hang obviously, on. but I'm going to do a movie review. Mm-hmm. And Lachlan can cut it out if he wants, but I think it's going to be good. <laughs> let's, let's do it. <laughs> This? Have you told anyone about this or are you just springing on both of us now? No, this is new to me. Oh, fantastic. I look forward to this. So, this week I watched Alive, which was made in 1993 about the aforementioned plane <laughs> crash in the Andes. It was a pretty grim film for obvious reasons, so don't expect many laughs or lighthearted moments. Uh, there are... There are a few. <laughs> still laughing. There are a few factual inaccuracies that annoyed me because the story is pretty unbelievable on its own. So you don't really need to embellish or change anything. But obviously, they had to make up the dialogue and create some sort of narrative, and that's fine. But they changed the timeline, which annoyed me. Don't put things out of sequence. You know, it's confusing. Anyway, the film was very heavy with religious themes, but that makes sense for a Catholic team to be praying all the time and debating things by quoting Bible verses, but it did drag on a lot. Uh, The prayer scenes in particular were pretty exhausting, and there were so many of them. Fortunately for me, I was watching with my roommate, who was Muslim, and he started joining in on all the Catholic prayers, which was pretty funny. I beat him in the Lord's Prayer, but he knew more words in the Hail Mary than me, to my everlasting shame. The (laughs) The main theme seemed to be that they never lost faith in God, and that kept their spirits up and ultimately help them survive. Anyway, I give it a 4 out of 10. I would not recommend this movie. The story is super interesting, but a dramatized film probably isn't the best format for telling this harrowing tale. I'd suggest people read articles about it or watch a documentary, especially one where they interview the survivors. On the plus side, Ethan Hawke is in the movie, and he is a fantastic actor. What just happened? He's gone completely quiet as well. I thought it went well. What's the thing? It's a good review. <laughs> I, I look forward to I've already got one. some films planned out for uh, future episodes. So. Oh, no. All right. I look forward to that. Oh, man. That was beautiful. So, the third, uh, the third dilemma for today is um, about autonomous cars. So this is like a choose-your-own-adventure sort of ethical dilemma. Topical. Yeah, you can dream up any crazy scenario you want where the programming in the car has to make a choice about whom to kill. Good use of whom. <laughs> Correct use of whom. 
So, Brad, would you would you buy a car that would uh, minimize harm overall, or would you buy one? You know, if you had to buy an autonomous car, would you buy one that minimized harm overall, like a utilitarian mm-hmm. car with? You know, or would you buy a car that prioritized your safety regardless mm-hmm. of the consequences? Like, I'm going to run over those kids, but I'm going to save Brad, who's the driver. Can I pick a third option, one that maximizes harm? <laughs> 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 like, takes out as many people as possible under the guise of trying to save me? <laughs> no, um, I had to do it. I had to do it. I would, if it, <laughs> I had to do it. Um, if I had, if I had a car, my priority would be me. Like if I'm in the vehicle. Um, uh, but yeah, if you're asking me if I was designing a car, we'd design a car that minimizes harm. But if if I'm the actual driver, I would want the car to prioritize my safety over those. Mm, it's like a, it's a catch twenty two really, because in order to get people to buy autonomous cars, you kind of have to um, program. Prioritize yeah, you have to program in that in that way, but. Um, yeah, that won't be the most utilitarian uh, programming, but obviously it would be safer than what we have now. So it would save lives. It just wouldn't save the most lives. Yeah, I mean, if you're selling a product, you don't want to sell a product that says, hey, this car might kill you, but it could save other people because that's no good to yeah. you. Um, <laughs> and you're the one paying for the product. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to buy something like, that's yeah. <laughs> explicitly saying like, this product will kill you if it has to. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, that sounds so menacing. I'd probably buy it. This car doesn't give a fuck. It'll kill you. It's an ice cold motherfucker. (laughs) Is there a way that we could uh, incorporate my hierarchy of killing from the first episode into the car's programming? Oh, it's funny you'd say that, Brad, because you actually can. There is um, this thing Lachlan and I did. It's called the uh, Moral Machine from MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Institute of Technology, and they have a, a website you can go on, and you can um, <laughs> you can decide wh- like who the autonomous car should kill, and you can uh, you can see your results and see who who you decided to kill and who you decided not to kill, who you saved the most, and all that. So, and w- so what was it called? It was the Moral Machine? Was that it? Yeah, we'll put a link to it in the blog, and Lachlan and I have done it, so we'll upload our results, and we'll get you to do it, and oh, you can put your results oh my God. up there as well. Disable Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I was doing it, I consciously ranked people like this. Yep. Uh, pregnant woman was first. Ooh. Uh, baby, baby or child was second, and then um, woman was third. So, I... I uh, explicitly decided to save women over men because I'm a sexist. Lachlan, sexist. Lachlan however, being a uh, <laughs> a feminist, decided to not prioritize either gender, so he killed women just as frequently as men. So he was absolutely down the middle with um, gender doesn't matter in the uh, <laughs> in the killing game. In the scheme of things, correct. What do you think about that, Brad? Uh, I think uh, Lachlan is coming from a good place. I don't appreciate being called a feminist, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, would you save the the chick or the dude? If uh, all, all else being equal, I would save the chick. But that's yeah. I mean, it's just my my opinion. I I find women to be mystical creatures. There are you know, there's plenty of terrible ones out there. Um, but given that they you know carry unborn children and you know all that kind of jazz. Yeah, they're they're more important than men. Yeah, on a on you a case by biologically, case, yeah. evolutionarily. Sorry, in a general well, sense like, of things, so. yes, they are. I mean, 
you you can't you can have many men. You know, one guy. Okay, hang on. Where am I going with this? Well, no, I think I can finish it for you. If you have a society that has a thousand women, a thousand women and ten men, that's going to be fine. Whereas if it's a thousand men and ten women, uh, you know, that's just going to be like a free-for-all killing bloodbath, you know, mayhem. Just the thousand men trying to decide who can (laughs) get the ten women. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's where I was trying to go with that, but I'm just too retarded to actually word it out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, a, a society can rebound after losing men, uh, but not women. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If there's more women than men, it shouldn't be an issue. Okay, so we'll get we'll get you to do that. We'll get you to do that, and we'll upload all three of our results, and we can uh, have a look. But Lachlan, Mister Utilitarian himself, uh, he did not prioritize saving lives. You were like, nah. If they were breaking the law, doesn't matter. Utility doesn't matter. Yeah that that was my um, that was my thinking towards the whole thing. I purposely ignored gender and status and all that, uh, even amount of people, all that sort of thing. I just purely focused on uh, the road rules should be followed. Oh, really? That's such a ridiculous thing. <laughs> That's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> just apply no, it equally across the board. Like, who's in the wrong, who's in the right? Like, there's some situations, and Brad, you will see, and our audience will see when they inevitably do this as well, because I'm sure they'll all jump straight oh, up the blog and uh, have a look. <laughs> um, the, some of them aren't black and white, but some are very black and white. Some mm. are either the car is breaking the law or the pedestrians are breaking the law. And I always went with kill the one breaking the law. Okay. Uh, and then the ones that weren't so black and white, where there, either no one was breaking the law or everyone was breaking the law, I went with protect the passengers because it's it's a car, it's a machine. You want it to protect the its its passengers. But were you, were you doing this based on your own morals or were you doing it based on what you would do as a programmer of a car? Because I think they're actually slightly different. Yeah, okay. I was I was doing it based on what I, what I believe... Uh, automated cars should be programmed to do. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So it's not necessarily moral. It's just what's no, best. That's right. It's kind of that rule, that rule utility thing. Like if you're breaking the law, yeah. too bad. As a rule, if people don't break the law, they're not going to get killed. So. That's right. When you when you decided to break the law, you decided to take your life into your own hands. Interesting. I didn't, I hadn't thought about looking at it that way. But well, so what would work? The best way, like most functional, as a as an automated car. Yes. Okay. Yep. It's inter- that, it just, that makes it, sense. It gets into annoying, like a, a tough situation where you've got a criminal or just like a regular person who's obeying the law, and then you have yeah. five kids jaywalking. Like, it, can you really blame the kids for jaywalking? <laughs> like, fucking plow through them. Like, there was there was <laughs> one that was like uh, a baby in the car or a cat on the pedestrian crossing. Like, is there even any question there? <laughs> You're gonna run that. You're gonna run that cat over, even if it doesn't mean killing oh, the <laughs> I would save the cat, and if the kid survived, I'd finish it. <laughs> Why is a baby driving a car? It's clearly breaking. The it's not driving the car. The car's driving itself, Brad. It's autonomous. Yeah, but who puts a baby in a car by itself? That that baby is a criminal. It stole that car. <laughs> you can't steal an autonomous car. Yeah, you can. You, you can. just tell it where you need to go, but it, you're still stealing. How it's did a baby car. tell it where to go? Uh, Google speech recognition. It's a baby. 
It's a baby. Gaga. The talk. Thanks to the Lady Gaga concert. <laughs> it's a ridiculous situation. Like, oh, <laughs> this baby needs to get to the shops or something. <laughs> just throw the baby in the car. And then the cat's just out doing its own thing. Like, oh, it's even smart enough. Like, it's probably the first sentient cat ever because it's smart enough to walk <laughs> using the crossing. So it's aware of itself. And then you're going to run that poor animal down where it was just obeying the law. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you people are horrible. But that kid deserved it. His parents left it in an autonomous car. Oh, <laughs> um, no, I, th- I think um, obviously autonomous cars are the future of uh, transport and we need them because yeah. – now, I, I was reading a stat that 94% of driving fatalities are due to human error. So, mm-hmm. obviously, it would save a lot of lives. What else would they be due to? It's stuff like environmental mechanical failure, your brakes failed or something like that. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, environmental or a deer jumped in front of your car and, mm. you know, people die from deers and kangaroos hitting the car. and like. Oh, yeah. Kangaroos are brutal. They come through the windscreen and, like, rip your face off. Intentionally. <laughs> no, I know like animal strikes and stuff like that, but they're pretty like, I'm not saying that they don't happen. I'd say they'd, they'd be pretty rare considering the, the number of animals that are encountered on roadways. So then the rest is pretty yeah. much down to human. 94% era. is a very high percentage, Brad. I know you're not good with numbers, but that's huge. <laughs> yeah. I just mean, like, what other logical thing could you expect to happen like that? It just, I know it seems like a huge number, but what else would it be? Mechan- like, like mechanical failure in your car, something, yeah, environmental issues. Maybe there was uh, ice on the road, like black ice, and you don't know that there's ice on the road because you can't spot it. But they would rule that as probably like a, a combination of uh, road conditions and, and human error. It would come under both categories, I think. I just think that 94, it sounds alarmingly high, but it, it's pretty much the only category it can that can cause a It was supposed life. to just be like a little when stat to move me on in my point and you know, pick, <laughs> you're being annoying about it because it's, oh, fuck. <laughs> I, I just don't trust the validity of this stat. It just seems like there's only We've really one, the one way ways. that you We've could die driving your car. It's human error. If an well, animal... If yeah, an, okay. yeah, okay. Look, I'll let you move on. Um, I'll let you move on. <laughs> Anyway, the I think the main the main issue with autonomous cars is that it's like somebody has to sit down and program what it's going to do. So it's it seems like a really intense sort of moral burden to put on somebody to to program what to do because if you're a driver, you you're not really going to be blamed for your reactions. Like if, you know, yeah, if if like a if a animal jumps onto the road and then you swerve into oncoming traffic, it's like you obviously fucked up. <laughs> but no one's going to be like, "Oh, you intentionally did that." Like it's just like it's a blameless sort of reaction. But um, if somebody has to program it in, it's like you're deciding. I don't know. It just seems a little creepy, don't you think? Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. And, and if it all goes wrong as well, like um, you know, because if, if if everyone starts to use autonomous cars and people start dying and they're going to look for someone to blame as well. Even if it's the best outcome in a shitty situation, the person who programmed it is probably going to be the first person that they, you know, look at. Yeah. Like car companies and then it'll be the person who wrote the program. It'll be like, this person has been responsible for X amount of deaths on the road this year. Um, and then when someone like it saves someone, you can't really rack that up as a stat, like, oh, save this amount of people because you, you don't know exactly how many people you've saved. So you're just going to be looking at the numbers of people dead. Well, and you then could guess it. it. will inevitably fall on that team of people who designed it. 
you could kind of guess it though, because you could say like these were the stats before everyone started using autonomous cars. So you can kind of guess the lives that it would save, like just by doing. Oh, I'm just talking about an individual situation. So, like, say the car picks up six people on the road yeah. and it swerves, you know, kills two people. The people who are on the road, all six of them are going to go, oh, I was on the road. It'll be pretty hectic. You wouldn't rack up all six. You might say, oh, there was someone on the road. But there's the end of the day, the only thing that you can statistically, like, you'll have in the books is that two people died because of the car. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what, that's where I was going with it. But yeah. Well, what do you, how do you think they should be programmed? Do you think like uh, a car should be programmed for the, like in a utilitarian way that like just save the number of lives or do you think like always save the driver or do you think it's even a good idea to do like this, this crowdsourcing of the decision-making? So it's nobody's, it's not on anybody. It's just like MIT did their moral machine thing and this is what the stats say people want. So we're just going to go with the majority and that's how we're going to program the cars. Well, I think with the, this um, moral machine thing, I think a lot of people just look at it like from an optimal sense of um, what, what like in a perfect world, they'd want, you know, there as many people to survive as possible. But if it was actually their product, I think their answers would change. I think if you're going to design an autonomous car, it has to protect the customer first. Like the, the person who's paying for the car isn't going to, like, uh, we brought it up before, but they're not going to want a product that could potentially kill you um, if it has to. Like, you know, it's going to be ice cold about it. So I think realistically, <laughs> the moral machine results are skewed towards, you know, a perfect world. You know, everyone's, oh, I'm all about self-sacrifice and all that kind of bullshit. But would they but, actually buy the car themselves? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When the rubber hits the road, they're not going to be like, oh, really this car job, When the rubber hits the road. <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah. Uh, Completely intentional as well, for once. Um, <laughs> but yeah, essentially, yeah, like it, it, when you go to, you know, fork out $40,000 for a car, you're not going to be like, this thing is going to kill me if it needs to. You'll want something that's going to protect you and your family uh, at all costs. Like that's, that's, driver safety is like the largest selling point for cars now. Yeah. You look at any, any new car, they're always like, oh, you know, it has anti roll bars and you could drive this thing into a wall at 100Ks an hour and it'll, rock you to sleep you know? i want to buy that car um that sounds good <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and it's got like even like those new headlights that turn as you're turning around the corner so you can see what's coming around the corner like in the the more fancy european cars like they're, they're all massive selling points would you guys feel comfortable in an autonomous car just you know yes absolutely not you would yeah absolutely 100 percent. you trust the um programming that well even at these early stages e- mm. even at these early stages um who is it google I mean, a lot of other companies have as well, but Google's the main one that has... Uh, they've had self-driving cars on the road for... It'd probably be close to 10 years now. Um, and there's been... In those 10 years, there has been three collisions, and all three have been because of the driver of the other car. I, I wouldn't because I, I like to have that element of control. I know everything would be autonomous, but I just... Yeah, yeah, I'm not a trusting like person. You would be, you're in control when you're driving, but would you say, like, overall, mm. as a vessel, the car is in more control if you're not in control of it? Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Uh, a robot mm. has way I, more I, control than a human. Yeah, but also, like, I've had my phone just fuck up for no particular reason, and then you want me to put that in charge of my life. Yeah, it's a little... Not on my... It's a little sus. Technology fucks up all the time, like a... Even just trying to record this shit, <laughs> <laughs> we've had fucking a million issues, and you want to you want me to put my life on the line at 100k's an hour? Down yeah, the I just don't it. think I could ever relax in an autonomous car. Like you're supposed, to- yeah, exactly. I couldn't relax. 
I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. You're supposed to like read a book or, you know, take a nap or something like that, but I'd just be freaking out. I'd be like, is the car going to stay in the lane? Is it going to veer up? Like, I don't know if you'd ever get used to that. I guess you probably would eventually. Well, what's, but what's the difference? Would. I mean, what's the difference between that and just sitting in the back of a taxi? Well, you're assuming, yeah, you're assuming that the person is, yeah. Yeah, but I get you. You, would, you would be assuming that the robot driving the car would be under control. I guess so, but it's... Yeah, I, I guess know, I mean, people die in taxis and Ubers. Uh, so. It's the... I guess it's what's currently normal, or what, what's seen as normal. Like, you'd, you assume a taxi driver knows, or an Uber driver knows how to drive, and that's fine. And uh, I, with an autonomous... Like, you can't say, Lachlan, the first time you got in an autonomous car that you wouldn't be shitting yourself. Uh, the very first time you'd be like, yeah, oh, no. Maybe the first time I'd be a little bit uncomfortable. What a, okay, well, to your point, though, how often do you get a taxi in an Uber, though? Personally, not very often. Not very often. You, it, and I would I would say, like, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it, but it would be a novelty. It's not something I'd want to do every day. The autonomous car. Just because I, I wouldn't, yeah, yeah, because I wouldn't be able to, uh, to relax I just think at all. how much like, more like, stuff I'd get done. Like what? I could spend that half an hour driving to work editing this fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it could, but it would be... Difficult, and let's say started building autonomous cars that were designed with the idea of like more space in the car. Of course so they would. Like, Why wouldn't they be? Like have tables and yeah, it'd still be cramped and shit. But size would become an issue then if everyone's car was fucking huge. Like, can you imagine having all the cars replaced with Humvees then? No, the, you just replace the dashboard with a little desk. It's yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Sold. laughs> Um, I personally love driving and, uh, I don't want to stop doing it because I, I, uh, I drive for work and for social reasons. Uh, and I don't know why, but I drive a lot and I like driving and, uh, I listen to podcasts while I'm driving in the car and I can't really listen to podcasts anywhere else because my mind just wanders. But when I have to focus on the road, I can listen to audio and, you know, actually pay attention to it. Whereas if I'm sitting at home, I'll start, you know, browsing my computer or doing something else and then i just lose track of the audio so it's a good good place to listen to podcasts like uh you know brad's a bad person for example you know i like i like one of the i like driving i don't really want to i don't want to give it up i don't want the robots to take my hobby away from me also i think cars are cool as fucking if you start making them autonomous they're going to be gay little fucking things (laughs) (laughs) they'll be serious like yeah you won't have fucking mustangs or fucking sick camaros and shit you'll have Prius is but yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's a good point, actually. Like, if you see someone like rocking in a uh, Mustang, just ripping it up on the freeway or something, you're like, "Oh, that guy's a badass." But if like yeah. an autonomous car is going fast, you're not like, "Oh, nice." You're just like, "Well, it's doing its job." Yeah, I've seen a Prius, and it does not do anything for me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I yeah, like when someone rolls past in a Maserati or something, you're like, "I just want to blow that guy." <laughs> And I'm about as straight as it goes. It's like, God damn, it's so fucking cool. Don't make everything in this world shit, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. And the cool part about them is that they could fucking kill you. If you've got a Maserati, uh, please contact us for your free blowjob. Correct. Uh, I am honoring all Maserati blowjobs. That is. <laughs> Good God, I hope someone emails us. <laughs> 
But, but seriously, the cars are cool. And if you like make them all, it's like man, trains aren't cool, you know? Like it's like being in a train. Yeah. I don't know. Bullet trains are pretty fucking cool. Yeah, bullet trains are cool because they go 300Ks an hour. Well, the not maglev. because they're. Maglev's the cool as shit. Yeah. But they're cool because they're. Like they go. I've so been on fast. a. That's what I've been on a bullet train. I think the the novelty wears off pretty quickly, so I'm not sure. And I I will say uh, as uh you know to augment my point from before, I don't want the robots to take my hobby away from me, but I do understand that you know if everybody drove an autonomous car, that would save thousands of lives every year, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands worldwide, even. So I I understand that that's a selfish perspective mm. to say that I don't want to give up my hobby, but. Yeah, I don't know. Um, just sucks. <laughs> what about the like the the actual implementation of self driving cars? Like, uh, is it like the upkeep of, of like the maintenance required? Would that be just like astronomical cost wise? I, I mean, I haven't looked into it, but do you guys know anything about that? Because like, what, what do you mean? Because you have to maintain a network, and then I don't know. Do they go purely off GPS, or is there some sort of guide system that's installed in the road? No, they use cameras. Oh, so it's just purely off cameras and real time data that's provided to it, like a yeah. They computer. use they use, they uh, use sonar or whatever and stuff. Yeah. Echolocation or whatever. Then. Echolocation. Um, they, I mean, they Dolphins. do they do use GPS for navigation, but the actual the actual down on the ground, which way do I have to you know steer? That's yeah. that's cameras and yeah, as Morg said, echolocation. So what about okay, like because Google Maps in Australia isn't as up to date as say the US. Mm-hmm. What happens then? Like, for example, I live in a new estate. Yeah. Um, Google Maps has it has most of the streets now, but for a long time it didn't. Does that just mean my car can't take me home? Or um, look, I don't know this for sure because I don't have a self-driving car. But hmm. there's no reason it couldn't drive on an unmapped road because it can, st- like, the car itself can still see the road. You would just have to maybe tell it. It just has no idea where it's going. You, yeah, you would, it doesn't know the directions. You would have to say, continue straight. You'd be the GPS. You'd be like, all right, turn left. Here. So essentially you'd be driving it? <laughs> With your voice. <laughs> nah, nah, yeah. Uh, they're, like, serious questions that I would have, though, because, you know, Google is doing its best to map everywhere in the world and they're doing a pretty pretty amazing job, if I'm being honest. But there are some places that are under-mapped or just they can't get there or there's no Yeah, I, I think we're kind of getting off topic here. We're trying to stick with the ethical implications, not the practical <laughs> programming stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was just interested. Do you want to bring it up? I want, no, no, I want to get deep. It's a good point, but let's uh, let's stay philosophical with it. Um, okay, so back to killing kittens and babies. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Do we have anything more to say about uh, autonomous cars? Should I just you know do another movie review on the fly, or should we call it a call it an episode? Look, now if you want to throw in another one of those stellar movie reviews, let's just do it. I could just I could just do like my top five Ethan Hawke movies if you want. Or no, nah, we'll save it for another time. Um, <laughs> you, you fucking got these. <laughs> you hawk these. Um, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead is a great uh, film. It, it's Kino. You should watch it. It's great. Okay. Have a good night. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to hit us up on uh, Facebook, Twitter, fucking SoundCloud, Instagram. I don't know. All that shit. Do we have Instagram? Probably not. Uh, email us. No, listen don't. to us on SoundCloud, iTunes. 
It's uh, it's good stuff. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Tune in next time for Brad is a Bad Person featuring Morgan's movie review. <laughs>